Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doug Peak. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. Well, welcome everybody to Foothills Christian Church, all of you who are doing church at home or joining us from across the globe. I love those superhero intros, and then you have me. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to live up to that. But uh, we're going to do a brand new series called Foothills Strong. And the whole point of this series is to find strength in the midst of adversity. So we're going to look at how God strengthens us, grows us in courage so that our hope is everlasting. Now, everybody loves a good hero story. So I was thinking about kind of the top uh, hero movies out there. And so I was Googling, you know, top grossing movies. And it was really interesting because the uh, top 10 grossing movies of all time really were amazing. Now I'm going to just kind of rattle them off, starting with number 10 down to number one. And I'm going to see if any of these sound familiar. So number 10 is Frozen 2, right? Number nine is uh Furious from Fast and Furious, think number seven. So number seven is the best one, I guess. Then there's Avengers. Then there's the Lion King. Then the the reboot called Jurassic World. Then there's Avengers, uh, the second time on the list, Infinity War. Then you have Star Wars, Force Awakens. Now here's the top three, okay? Titanic, Avatar, and then Avengers again end game. Isn't that amazing? What that says to me is that the globe, not just America, but the globe loves hero movies. And they're there's stories of people who start out and they gain strength. They grow stronger as they discover who they really are, which I think is important because I'm looking at what's happening in the world today, and what I see is really quite amazing. Started off over the last year in 2019, our politics were extremely divided, and then this pandemic hits, and then once the pandemic hits, then 40 million people lose their jobs, and now the economic uh, devastation is hitting, and then what happened is now all this social unrest is just exploding. And so what I have seen is that basically people have kind of fallen into uh, two categories, right? And how they're dealing with this whole uprising, disruption, all of these difficulties, all these adversities. The first group of people I see is the largest group, and that is people who are succumbing to the weight of the situation. People who are overwhelmed by the situation. You see this in all the stats. Depression and anxiety have grown exponentially. Divorce inquiries have almost doubled. Opioid use has gone up. Drinking, alcohol sales have grown in double-digit percentages. You look at pot dispensaries are making more money than they have ever made before. And then... Psychology Today talks about how porn usage is up 
1.8%. Listen to this uh, uh, statement that they made. It says, research has found that when we are faced with the prospect of our own mortality, this prompts sexual desire and behavior as a coping mechanism. Wow. What we are seeing is that all of these things are coping mechanisms because people are being faced with their own mortality and they're scared to death. Then you look at what's happening in Christianity prior to all this. Uh, over the last probably decade to 15 years, there's been a real explosion in Christianity in America of what I call the celebrity culture of Christianity. And this is where uh, people are like really big on social media. They're super influencers. They're super cool. And what has happened, though, is now we see a slew of these people that have influence are renouncing their faith and saying they don't believe in God anymore. And that's because... What has happened is that it was the strength of image versus the strength of character. And that is a problem. Now I have seen a whole nother group of people. It's a smaller group, but these are people that are really inspiring me. These are people with grit. These are people with strength. They have a sense of optimism and hope, even in the midst of the storm. You might even say that these people have something called peace. It's something that never leaves them. These people are what I believe to be the real heroes. And so I want to ask you, do you want to be in group one or do you want to be in group two? Now you might believe that, oh, I'd love to be in group too, but that's just not my destiny. You know, I just, I wasn't wired that way, raised that way, born that way. Well, let me tell you something. That's just not true. And how do I know that? Well, I'll tell you how. Because everybody in group two started in group one. Everybody in group two started in group one. So we're going to have this series over the entire summer, over the next two and a half months. And my goal is to inspire you into group two by showing you what Jesus is saying to his followers. And by chewing on the meat of his words, you're going to discover a path that leads to life. And by pushing you to Jesus, because the more we push you to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, you will not only find the answers that you seek, but you will learn how to grow strong in the process. So let's begin. We're going to begin with our theme verse. And whenever we start a series, we kind of try to have a theme verse that carries us throughout the entire series. And it's found in John chapter 16. Now, before I read you our theme verse, I want to give you a little context. And it's chapter 16 of the Gospel of John is a big transitional thing. It starts off with Jesus in, in verse one saying, I'm going to teach you all the stuff so you don't stumble. The whole point is so that you don't stumble and fall to the wayside. And then he talks about how the Holy Spirit's going to come. He talks about his death and resurrection. So he's really, in a sense, prophesying what's going to happen and what they are going to face. And so they're like, what are you talking about? What are you saying? And so he kind of tells them in really plain language. And then he ends this way in verse 31. He goes, do you now believe? And he's saying, do you now understand what I'm talking about? Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. Does that sound familiar right now? Maybe that's a little stay at home order right there he's talking about. Look at what he says. You will leave me what? All alone. 
you will leave me all alone. But, he says, I am not alone. Why? For my father is with me. So notice how he says, even when everybody else abandons me, I will never be alone. Those are really powerful words of truth that apply to us today. He goes on to say, I have told you these things. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Boy, do we have a lot of trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So even in the midst of the greatest isolation, when all of his disciples abandoned him, Jesus was not alone. Therefore, you and I, even in the midst of the greatest adversity, we are never alone. We must realize that it is what God is doing in us instead of what the world is doing to us that makes all the difference. And what that means is Jesus says, take heart. He says, you should take heart. What does that mean? Well, that means you should find your courage, choose strength, choose to overcome. Come. And how do you do that? How do you choose courage? How do you, you choose to be strong even when you feel like I have no strength left? How can you find courage when all you feel is despair? How can you continue forward when you feel that you are completely undone? Well, that's what we are going to discuss. We're going to dig into every aspect of life. We're going to dig into our experiences, past and present, our bad situations and good situations, the way we think, the way we process what's happening to us, our hearts, our souls. We're going to discover how God uses all of these things in order to grow us strong. In following Jesus, you can move from group one to two because this is God's will and work in you as his follower. And I'd just like you to know, the stakes are really high. The stakes are really, really high. If you're unaware of the process, if you're not sure of God's will and purpose in his relationships with you, then you can languish your entire life in group one. Languish your entire life in group one. Otherwise, if you don't realize this, you'll be trapped there. See, this truth in this series is to help you not be trapped in a life filled with failure or bad habits, always thinking there's more, wishing for more, and yet never being able to experience it. So let's begin. Let's begin with just a basic intro of all the things that we're going to be studying and all the things that the Bible teaches us in these situations when you're facing some of the greatest adversity. Now, if you have the phone app, you can open it up, go to message notes for this Sunday, and have all the verses and all the fill in the blanks for you, or you can write it down. Otherwise, I'm just going to assume that all of you are memorizing every word I'm saying right now. Okay, well, we'll work on that, all right? Well, first of all, Acts. We're going to look at the first principle of how God moves us from one, group one, into group two and grows us strong, okay? And I want you to understand what's going on here. In verse one, 
In verse 2, Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray. This is just after the church had started. And he says, Now a man was lame from birth who was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So you have a man who is a paralytic, he was paralyzed, and for decades he has been going and, and people had t- carried him there and placed him there so he could beg. Okay? Now verse 6, uh, Peter looks at him and says, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And so this man paralyzed his entire life, stands up and walks. He goes up onto the temple uh, mount there in the temple courts and starts praising God. Everybody recognizes him and it creates this huge stir. So you kind of read about it that over the next few verses. And then what he does is he... Uh, Peter sees an opportunity to share with everybody what really went on. And here is the key verse. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. Okay, now we're seeing this man was made strong. How? Through faith. Isn't that right? It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that he has completely healed him as you all can see. And that leads us to the first principle. And that is this only in the name of Jesus Christ and faith that comes through him. Can we find courage? Where do you find the courage to overcome adversity? You find it through Jesus Christ. Oftentimes it is in the midst of our greatest challenges, our greatest suffering, where we discover the power of Jesus. Why is that? Why is that? Well, it's because in these moments, it's where every false identity and the worldly hopes and aspirations that we had are completely stripped away. We are laid bare before God and we realize how empty sometimes the things that we believe to sustain us just don't work anymore. They're, they're centered in the world. They're centered in empty philosophy as opposed to faith in Jesus Christ. And it's in those moments when we're completely stripped and laid bare that we discover his infinite love for us. Now let's move on to the next one. Over the ensuing uh, couple of months, we're going to really dig into this principle, and it starts in Romans chapter 1. Listen to what Paul writes to them. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So here's the second principle that we're going to study, and that is this. You find courage by being around courageous people. Uh, The word encourage means putting courage into another person. Now, what I find really interesting is when this whole pandemic started and all this happened is uh, I was on a call with guys who do what I do from all these churches all over. And everybody's like, oh my goodness, the most vulnerable population out there, people over 65, it's going to hit them the hardest. And boy, we really need to take care of our seniors. We really need to reach out and make sure that they are doing okay. Okay. And so what we did and what all these other churches did is so we started calling everybody over 65 in our church and we're calling them and said, how are you guys? Are you okay? Is everything all right? And then they're like, well, calm down. You know, just calm down. We're fine. Yeah, we're vulnerable, but we're, we're good. No, we're hopeful. Yeah, God's going to take care of us. And what I found is that some people, the older they got, 
the less concerned about it they were, which was shocking. I mean, people in their late 80s, you know, are like, oh, yeah, well, you know, when you reach 90, you know, something's going to get you pretty soon, you know, so I'm just going to live. I'm living and loving God, trusting Jesus, what's going to happen? <clears throat> what I found most interesting is this. All the research came out and you said, you know, the generation that is struggling the most have the highest rates of anxiety, the highest rates of depression. The people who are calling, like, for instance, the uh, suicide prevention hotline in L.A. has increased 8000 percent in phone calls. And the number one generation that is calling are millennials. Millennials are struggling with this more than any other generation. Why do you think that is? Well, I believe there is a direct link between another stat, and that is the generation that has left faith in Jesus Christ more than any other generation is also the generation of millennials. And one of the reasons why is because they don't like the community that Christ calls us to. It's a community of mutual accountability it's a community called to where we are to inspire one another towards love and good deeds. We are to encourage one another when we get off the path, help people get back on track. That's why community is the key. Community is really, really important. Small groups are a critical part of our church. We're almost annoying about it. You know, you call and you say, yeah, I'd like to schedule the room for a birthday party for one of my kids. Are you in a group? Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, getting married or I'd like to check out this. Uh, are you in a group? It, it gets a little annoying. But the reason why is because the number one way that you move from group one to group two is by being in biblical community. That's called discipleship. One of the most important decisions that you will ever make is choosing the right friends. Because your friends will either encourage you or they will discourage you. And Paul says, our goal is to put courage in people, not take it away from them. Now let's keep moving. Another thing that we're going to dig into is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, where the Bible says this. It says that we are to be strong or be on our guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Are you starting to hear a common theme here? These are all about being strong, being courageous. These are all about ways we grow. And what does this passage teach us? Well, a very simple principle, and that is courage comes, strength comes when you learn how to stand strong in the faith. You see, you can find courage when you learn how to stand strong in the faith. Let me talk about uh, the influence of the celebrity culture on Christianity. This week, there was a, a, a part of this celebrity culture. It's a, it's a big rock band. They've been around for 20 years. They played all the big conferences. Uh, their name is Hawk Nelson. And the lead singer came out and posted on his Instagram account. He goes, I no longer believe in God. I can't even sing the songs anymore because I just don't believe in God anymore. Okay, then this is my question. What do you believe in? You see, what is so sad about this situation in what has happened to people who've been raised in America over the last 40 years is that they have been taught to think philosophically in a way that is very destructive. And it's called deconstructionism. Now, I know that's a big word, but it's a philosophical principle. And here's how it basically works. And that is, if I can figure out something 
of a principle or a proposition that I don't think is true or perfect, then that gives me a right to stop believing in it. So in other words, if things don't go my way or if things aren't working out the way I like, then I don't have to believe that anymore. The problem with this position of deconstructionism is that whenever you stop believing one thing, by default, you are believing something else. And the real question is, what are you believing? Now, the scourge of deconstructionism has been drilled into people through our educational system, through our media, even our universities. It's just everywhere you look. And it's a trap that steals our courage. It steals our convictions and it undermines faith as we see in this situation. So the way you become strong is you need to learn how to stand strong. And there's a generation of people who have focused on the coolness of Christianity and never been taught the truthfulness of Christianity. And that, my friends, has undermined their faith. So courage comes when you learn how to stand strong in the faith. Let's keep going. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 12, verse 10, it says this. Now, this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hard... Okay, wait a second. This does not sound like a really nice, fun verse right here. He's saying, wait, I, I re delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults. I mean, there's not a lot of groups that you join. Well, I'm growing. The, I'm going to jo go join the uh, small insult group. You what? Yeah, we go, we have coffee at Starbucks and we insult everybody to death. It's really uplifting. You know, you know, the, the, do those groups. Well, Paul says, I, I, I delight in them. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. How often do you hear people going, man, what a day I've had today. Nothing has gone right. Everything I planned got derailed. This thing broke. That thing fell apart. I got fired from that. It's just the greatest day ever. Most people are going, this is the worst day ever. I wish it would get over. But Paul's saying, I delight in all that. And then listen to what he says. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, is he confused or is he saying something that we need to understand? Well, what he's saying is this, is when I am weak, I have to trust in someone else. And that gives me strength. And that leads us to the fourth principle that we're going to dig into. And that is courage or strength will grow within you when you learn how to depend on Jesus to flow through you. Courage will grow within you when you learn how to depend on Jesus flowing through you. One of the things that I like and one of the things I enjoy is when people test their mettle. I love sports. I love the Spartan races, the Olympics. Why do I love all these things? Well, because I see people rejoicing in the suffering of training. They're pushing themselves. They're finding their limits. They're going further and farther than they have ever gone before. And then in that event, they display for all to see their hard work and someone will win and someone will face defeat. It's high drama, but man, it's amazing to see how people have pushed themselves to such limits and then they want to display and test their mettle. It reminds me of what Teddy Roosevelt said. And that is, look, it's easy to get on social media and criticize other people. It's easy to sit 
in your dark room on your computer or be on your phone and tell people how they ought to do better. But in the end, it's people who actually test their mettle. In their weaknesses, they learn how to be strong by depending upon Christ like never before, where real courage comes from. Listen to these words from Teddy Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds. You see, he who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, he at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat." You see, that's why Paul celebrated his weaknesses, because when he was defeated or he failed, he learned it was in those moments I needed to trust in Jesus like never before. Let's keep going. The next one is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. And this is what it says. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, you grow stronger by learning to protect yourself. This is a very important principle on how to move from group one to group two. You have to learn how to put on the full armor of God. Now, the word in uh, verse 11 that the Bible translates as schemes comes from uh, the original language, methodia, and it means where we get the word method. So Satan has a tried and true method, a process for undermining our faith and keeping us in group one. So if you want to push yourself, let's say physically, when you go to a trainer and you show up, the trainer goes, well, day one, we're going to test your metal. Let's put as much weight on there and see if you can pick it up. They don't do that. What do they do? They teach you proper form. Because if you try to lift a lot of weight without proper form, you're going to injure yourself. In the same way, you need to learn how to protect yourself, how to protect your faith, how to defend what you really believe. That's how you grow strong. So we're going to dig into that. Here's the next one, okay? And it's really interesting. This is found in 1 Peter chapter 5. And he says something really fascinating. He goes, and the God of all grace. How do you feel when you hear about the grace of God? I feel warm inside. You know, it's like God's love for me no matter what. So isn't that a great phrase? So warm and fuzzy. And then he says, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Wow. Not only does God's grace flow upon me, he's called me to eternity to be with him. That's awesome. And then he says this, after you have suffered a little while, what? That's like hitting the brakes on the freeway. Wait a second. Okay. We're talking about God's grace. We're talking about being called to eternal glory. And then it's like, 
Wait a second. After I've suffered a little while? He's not saying after you've been inconvenienced that your dinner showed up 20 minutes late at the restaurant. It's not that your first world problem didn't get resolved in two hours. It's not that. He's talking about hardcore suffering. He's saying after you've suffered a little while, God himself does something. And this is interesting. He will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Wow. The sixth principle, courage is a choice. And Jesus always honors the choice. You must choose. You must choose to hang on. You must choose not to give up. You must choose not to throw in the towel. Now, these are the principles that we're going to be digging into. I just wanted to give you a brief overview to to really help us get engaged in our study together. Now, let's watch a story of someone who learned and practiced these very things. Wow, what a great story. You know, our goal is to just help people tell different stories of how in their greatest adversity, they learned courage and strength and how to choose that. My goal for you is to help you discover that as well. Because Christ himself said, in this world, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have problems. We're going to have difficulties, setbacks. It's called adversity. But he said, have peace, take heart. I have overcome the world. So anything we're going to face, we can take heart. But we need to learn how to do that. And we need to follow Christ and do it the best that we can. And in so doing, we move out of the group that is being overwhelmed and succumbing to the weight of the situation. And we are embracing the people that God has called us to be in the midst of the storm. Now let's let Kate close us out. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org. 